nutrition and lifestyle transformation coach. I'm the founder and CEO of Never Settle Lifestyle, a company created to guide you in the pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself through the complete wellness of your body, mind, and soul. I am here to journey along with you as you transform your life and no longer settle for less than what you are truly capable of. I'll show you how to finally take a stand for maintaining your life balance while performing at an elite level with grace and ease. I'll share with you the methodology of habit and change psychology that has changed my life and the lives of so many others. Together, we'll commit to the relentless pursuit of progress, all the while not taking life too seriously. Here we revolutionize your resilience as you begin to get comfortable with adversity. Welcome to the Never Settle Lifestyle Podcast. What's up, you guys, and welcome to today's episode. Y'all, I am beyond ecstatic to be able to bring this topic to you today. So some of you may know, some of you may not know, but I am recently embarking upon the journey of stopping my facial injectables. So I'm going to give a quick little backstory to that and we will hop into today's episode. So truly, I haven't done filler since 2018. And during that time, I had my lips filled and it was good enough for me. I didn't really feel the need to continue it on. But since then, I have had a pretty consistent relationship to Botox. And here's what's been interesting. When you are used to dropping in and tapping into your intuition, you will get a clear message on how to move forward with certain things in your life. And lately, I've had a really strong urge to cease my injectables. A little bit out of curiosity, but I I know there's a deeper reasoning as to why. And let me tell you, I'm probably about a full month out from actually starting into my new regimen. And it's been very interesting. Um... I'm not going to get too much into it because I do talk a good bit about it during this episode. So let's dive in. Our guest today is Liliana Quintero. She is founder of Wild Lily Organics, which is a conscious, organic, and sustainable personal care brand that offers sacred beauty rituals through ancient holistic alternatives to health and beauty. So after 15 years of working in the beauty industry as a licensed esthetician, Liliana followed her heart into the world of healing. 
spirituality, holistic traditions, and sacred women traditions. So she works one-on-one and has developed an online and in-person workshop space. Liliana's work is helping women to nourish their wild divine feminine essence through self-love, self-discovery, and self-empowerment. You guys, this whole entire conversation is filled with so much wisdom and it's really cool to understand not only the body on a deeper level, but also a little bit more about your personal essence and how your beauty and how you shine in this world plays from that inner space. So whatever you're going through on the inside truly is going to reflect on the outside. And Liliana and I talk quite a bit about um, Gua Sha, which is essentially an ancient Chinese healing technique that uses certain stones or tools that involves self-massage, a little bit of gentle scraping to improve circulation, your muscle tone, and um, really help the flow of energy. So I have actually known about Gua Sha for quite a while. So fun backstory, if you guys don't know, I previously was, well, I still am a licensed esthetician and I practiced for about 10 years. And in 2013, I started offering, I got a training done and I started offering facial Gua Sha with gemstones during my services as a part of an extensive treatment that I would offer. And in fact, (laughs) it's so funny. I just looked down and I kind of forgot about it, but I have this little bowl of gemstones next to me beside of my computer and the two little amethyst stones that I used to use every single day in my practice on people are sitting right next to me. And it's so funny because I haven't really like thought about it in that way in a long time, but that's originally what they were used for. And, um, it's, it's really cool because I truthfully have learned so much more about Gua Sha and the benefits as time has gone on. And Liliana's Instagram has been a huge source of education for me. So I know that if I like it, you guys are going to love this episode. You're going to love everything that you take away and that you learn. Um, so a little bit of what I've been doing lately with my personal Gua Sha practice is, After my workout in the morning at the gym, I will go into the sauna, I will do a quick little meditation, and then from there, I'll have my skin nice and clean and put a little bit of facial oil on and then go into that self-massage using the Gua Sha tool. And y'all, it's been crazy to see the difference already. (laughs) To see pictures that I have been taking progressively and to see how my skin tone and the structure of my face has changed has really impressed me and blown me away. So if you're into natural alternatives, if you're curious about stepping away from Botox, or if you're just ready to tap more deeply into your body and reconnect to yourself, stay tuned. All right, you guys, without further ado, Welcome, Liliana. What's up, you guys? Welcome, Liliana, to the show. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. All right. So we'll just jump in straight away. 
I want to know everything about you. Who is Liliana? Um, what is your story? I know a little bit about it, but I think our viewers will be very interested to hear as well. Yeah, um, thank you for asking. And I mean, I'll give you a kind of a gist of it. And there's, you know, there, I think there's many different versions of this story, depending on um, who asks the story and what they want to know about it, because it's such a long history. Um, so I began basically my journey into beauty, skincare, the whole beauty industry when I was 14 years old, when I started modeling school. And that's where I began to understand and um, see the toxicity in the beauty industry and how harmful it was, not only to my health, to my gut, but to my psyche as well. And that led me to then develop acne, which then led me to find ways to heal my acne. And that's when I started skincare school. I went to school to be an esthetician. And from there, you know, I was just trying to find the answers and also help others that may be struggling with the same issues that I was experiencing. So ultimately, I wanted to help others as much as I wanted to help myself. It was a selfish, you know, decision. But at the same time, I, I wanted to help others because I'm like, if I'm struggling, others must be struggling. And so, you know, I did all the, all the things. I did all the creams. I had access to the best treatments. I worked for Elizabeth Arden. I worked for the best spas, corporate, small boutiques, medical spas, you name it, I've worked in. And I've tried the best of the best. And yeah, some of these things did help with the um, superficial layer that they were working with. Um, but they weren't, they weren't taking care of the deeper issues, the deeper imbalances that I was going through emotionally, um, spiritually, um, psychologically, you know, from all of the history that I've had with the beauty industry. And so that that's what led me down the path of seeking a holistic approach to skincare, which from the beginning that I started skincare school, I was always more inclined to um, from just having the sensitive skin that things I would just react to these like harsh chemicals and ingredients. And it would just it make my acne worse. And I was like, OK, this is not the solution. This is not helping. Less is more sometimes with people with acne. And it just I just went down this like rabbit hole of trying to find the answers. Like, why am I breaking out? Why am I breaking out? And um, I was already a believer of holistic medicine, of Ayurveda, of traditional Chinese medicine. I had been doing facial cupping on myself, from my body, washing on my body, acupuncture, and it helped tremendously. Really, um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that, you know, ancient medicine, because I, at one point I couldn't even walk. I, I mean, I, I had a very severe like muscle spasm and I had taken narcotics and it wasn't working. I was in bed. I, I literally was crawling to my bed um, and to the bathroom <laughs> back and forth for like two weeks. And I went to seek an acupuncturist and they did cupping. And within like, I think two sessions, I was walking again. Yeah. So it just really, you know, I, I was already a believer in the holistic medicine field. So when I came across facial gua sha, when I came across facial flexology, I was in the search to become an acupuncturist, but at the time I couldn't do it because financially I couldn't do it. Time-wise, I couldn't do it. Being a single mom working two jobs at the time, you know, paycheck to paycheck, I just couldn't do it. So I came across these other alternatives and I it was within my budget. It was within the time frame that I could do it from home. And I immediately jumped because I'm like, if it could do this for my body, what can it do for my face? And so, and I like the holistic approach of Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine, which is they work on not just the physical, but also the emotional, right? The energetic, the chi flow. 
And that's what really fascinated me. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm getting closer to the answers that I'm looking for. And thanks to these practices, I was able to manage my acne. Like, I want to say like 80% better than I could ever have. Like I stopped using, um, you know, I've tried it all. Accutane, I've tried spironolactone, I've tried the antibiotic topicals and I stopped using everything. And that's all I use right now. And I'm able to really manage my acne without any medications or anything like that. Um, because I took care of the emotional aspect as well, the spiritual aspect and practicing more presence, practicing going inward, which is what taught me um, facial reflexology because facial reflexology is, is a practice that it's very intuitive on your end. It's it's going inward, it's going in your body. It's feeling your body, facial washes, like self-massaging your body, you know, your face and the lymphatic drainage and the directional flow and is it's a very feminine kind of practice, right? And I didn't know it at the time, but it started leading me back into my body and feeling my body and loving myself. Um, so then I discovered like a deeper sense of self-love thanks to this practice too. So that's like a little gist of my story. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, I love it. And on that note, in regards to this more holistic approach using traditional Chinese medicine for those people out there that don't know how that works. Like, what is that like in comparison to Western medicine, or let's say versus going to a dermatologist, getting that Accutane prescription? What is the difference there? Yeah. I mean, right away, the the big difference for me, what I experienced is that they weren't taking care of the soul aspect, the emotional aspect, you know, they were just looking at the exterior, like the the top layer, and they weren't really digging deep. Um, They weren't asking me questions like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How are, how is your relationship, you know, with your family or your, your partners, or are you doing things that you love? Are you, um, you know, breathing properly, like breath work. I, I also got certified in breath work and I learned breath is so important for the health of your skin, your lungs, your lymphatics. So all these things that I, I noticed that they weren't looking into because they're not trained to, they're trained to prescribe you medication, right? Um, so it's, it's just like, that was the missing link. And when I was an esthetician or, you know, working in, in the rooms, I remember asking my clients like these deep questions and they were like, you're asking me more questions than my dermatologist. <laughs> I can totally relate to that. Um, there may be some listeners that don't know, but I was also an esthetician. I'm still licensed. I'm just not practicing. And I specialize in acne and it's very interesting how part of that journey actually transitioned into me working in nutrition because I had terrible acne and I was like, I got to figure this out. And I finally got some advice from a older, wiser esthetician. And she was, um, from Europe and she had, she went about things in a completely different way. And she was like, you need to cut these things out of your diet. And it just kind of cracked everything open. And I started to ask those bigger questions, you know, where are these bigger things coming up in my life? Where is there tension that I'm not addressing in my relationships and in my relationship with myself? as well as these foods that are, you know, affecting everything with my detoxification processes. Right. So it's so cool to hear that 
we're having bigger conversations about this now. Um, and I love how Gua Sha is becoming so much more mainstream. So for people that have never heard of it, what the heck is it? Like, what are the benefits? Tell us all the things. Oh my gosh, Gua Sha. It's, so there's Gua Sha and then there's facial Gua Sha. So Gua Sha for the body or Gua Sha, depending on, you know, who you ask, um, is for the body where you scraping the skin to remove the blood stagnation or chi, right? And facial Gua Sha, it's a it's in a sense, it's a more newer concept because it's it's a combination of different uh, facial rejuvenating modalities. So it's combining the the traditional Chinese method of breaking up the blood stagnation, but in a much gentler approach because we can't scrape the skin on, on our face because it's much gentler and thinner than our bodies. But we are going to work with the meridians. We are going to work with improving the chi flow. We are going to work with using a board, right, or a tool to glide against the skin, to release muscle tension, to improve the lymphatic flow, to manipulate tissue, to sculpt, to lift, to drain. Um, but more importantly, it's, it's all about create, creating that space and homeostasis and vital flow of nutrients. So, you know, how to keep a body of water clean is through movement. So that's what Gua Sha provides. It's that movement of fluids, the movement of blood, movement of lymph to really keep the skin at its most optimal performance right? Because the most nutrient rich like liquid or substance is blood. So as long as our blood flow is nice and rich and it's flowing, everything is working at its best. It's nourishing your muscles, it's nourishing your skin, right? So that's what facial washa is, what it offers and what it is. Beautiful, beautiful. It, um, with that being said too, so I've opened up a little bit about this. I haven't really delved into my story with it I'll likely um give the details of that in the intro so we can I have a lot of questions so that that way we can move forward so I am recently transitioning off of Botox and it's been very eye-opening to start to get back to these practices and as I do my gua sha more often on my face and I'm now fully like the Botox is totally out of my system and being able to keep on top of it. It's been really interesting to see not only the, the positive effects it's had on my skin, on my facial structure, my balance. I have one side of my face that tends to droop and two, not only that, but addressing the tension in my neck and in my shoulders so Liliana, before we got started, as I mentioned, I do CrossFit. There's a lot of shoulder tension, a lot of neck tension that happens. And what my practice looks like is I'll take myself into the sauna. I'll do my facial oil. I'll prep everything and then go in and just like drop into my body. And it's interesting because I noticed I would use the excuse of getting Botox is like, okay, I'm in this office for 15 minutes. It's going to last me for three months. I don't have to spend all these minutes, you know, doing facial gua sha. And I've come to realize I essentially have been missing out in a huge way. So just like with my meditation practice and how it gets me grounded and helps me tap back into myself, 
for the day ahead, it's really the same way. It's like, it brings me back to myself. So I want you to explain, first of all, feel free to go on about um, Botox versus, versus these holistic treatments, but also I'm curious to know what is an optimal protocol? Like how often minimum, what's the minimum that we should be doing to keep things up and what's the maximum that we can do, be it facial gua sha. And I know you have some other tools too. So feel free, go in on that. Talk about those. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so with, with the thing that you're noticing, and that's what people, you know, always get so shocked with the results with facial gua sha because they're pretty instant. And, but it really depends on everyone and everyone is unique and different. So your results may vary than, than someone else's. Someone may see results right after someone may see results a day after someone may see results a week or two weeks, but typically you want to wait around two weeks to see the benefits and results of facial gua sha and being consistent is the key. It is just like giving your body a drink of water every day, right? That's what you're giving your skin. You're giving your skin a drink of water. You're giving your skin uh, a, a nice blood, um, like a rush of blood flow, increased blood circulation, which is going to help with bringing more oxygen to the skin, which is going to help preventing breakouts. So it's great for, you know, it, it, it's for everyone, really. It doesn't matter what type of skin that you have. There is no real like contraindication with facial washa. Uh, as far as how often with facial washa, it also depends on the person's concerns, the person's goals, right? So let's say you're someone who's dealing with a lot of like inflammation, edema, puffiness, right? Um, then you may want to do it on a daily basis and then for like about two weeks and then go to maybe three times a week and then maybe twice a week. So it really just depends and also depends on your lifestyle, how often you can put, you know, implement this into your life. Maybe you're a very, you know, busy single mom like I am. So you know, two times a week is enough for you to reap the benefits of facial gua sha. You don't need to do it on a daily. And also depends, like people who have very reactive skin or very sensitive skin, maybe it's too much circulation, too much activation, stimulation. So they don't need it as much versus someone who has maybe like drier skin, someone who's be super dehydrated, um, you know, and has like a kind of like a, a, a lot of stagnant blood, then they will really benefit from doing it almost on a daily or every other day. It just really depends on your goal. And also like if you have a special event and you want that nice glow, like that gua sha glow, then definitely you can do it like right before or the day before um, because the results are like this. And the reason being, like I was explaining is that you're not just working with lymph and blood. You're also working on the emotional blockages that we're holding on our face. So that tension that we're holding on our face is what weighs us down. And, you know, that saying that goes around almost every culture, it's written all over your face, right? So immediately somebody will, you know, will, will, will be able to tell how you feel by looking at your face. Your face is like your portfolio. It is your business card. So it, it really, you know, that saying, you know, bring your face, your, your best face forward. It's it's about, that's what gosh it is able to provide. It's able to provide that, that sense of like peace, serenity, relaxation so when you're around someone that you know has that inner state that that's the glow that you're looking for that's that radiance that is activated through facial washa because we're releasing that muscle um tension that emotional blockage right because if i have let's say i'm holding on to anger which a lot of this is where we hold the emotion of anger with muscle right so if you have this like frozen look right 
If I'm like this, I'm going to give a certain vibration, right? I'm going to give a certain energy to whoever I'm encountering with. You know, I'm 37 and I've never had Botox, never had fillers. And not that I'm against it, it's just not my preference, right? So thanks to facial wash, I've been able to be more mindful and aware of these emotions that I am, that comes up for me on my face. So whenever I feel anger, right, I immediately see the 11 starting to form. And that's an indication that maybe I'm, I'm overexpressing this emotion. Maybe I'm suppressing this emotion. So finding ways, healthy ways to manage my emotions, right? So then like facial washer reminds me of that. So I start massaging, I start releasing, and I start going back into my body. Like you were saying, you start to love yourself. You start to you know, intentionally do this because it's one thing you're doing facial washer with the intention of getting rid of, right? Getting rid of the wrinkle versus how can I get in a better state, emotional state? Yeah, that's so spot on. And it's been interesting just pretty much in the past few weeks, I've been more diligent and I've had, you know, as we do a day or two where something stressful has been up you know, I'm addressing an issue, be it with business or personally. And when I take that moment and work into that area in between my eyebrows, it's like, oh, something's up here. Whereas, you know, before with having Botox, it's frozen. And it's almost like that message was not being communicated to me of like, hey, you need to take a minute and process this. So let's kind of get a little deeper here in terms of actually moving that emotion through, is that something that we should or could use other practices with? Like whatever that may look like for you, is there anything else you recommend or should we just primarily focus on these um, facial modalities? Do you have any further advice there? Yeah, definitely. I know, and that's why I like to combine and I started curating uh, these sacred beauty rituals. And, you know, what is a sacred beauty ritual? Like, I, I wasn't taught this in skin care school or anywhere. It's just something that I started developing on my own with my meditations. I started meditating a lot. I was going through a very deep healing process and heartbreak, and I was broken. And I had to find myself again. I had to recollect these lost pieces of myself that I had completely neglected. I, I was in a relationship for seven years and, and it was very um, abusive, not physically, but emotionally and mentally. And it left me kind of crippled. It left me lost. It left me just not knowing where to go and, and how to do and where, how to move forward. And when I started practicing, you know, everything happens for a reason. I, I started learning about facial gua sha and facial flexology around that time. And as I started practicing these tools, I started meditating also, right? as part of my healing journey and practice. And, and then I started, it just started coming to me, you know, together. I'm like, if I'm setting up a space, a sacred space for my meditations and I'm lighting these candles and I'm lighting, I'm putting the incense and I'm putting the crystals and I'm setting so much intention. Why am I doing, why am I not doing the same with my beauty rituals? Why am I separating that? You know, I think that is such a sacred time for women to really set those intentions in that time for self-care. And I discovered that those beauty rituals were actually a very deep spiritual practice because it was helping me to reconnect with myself again. It was helping me to give love to myself again, to feel again, to feel pleasure again, to be able to 
oh, this feels good. It's good to feel good. It's, I'm allowing myself to feel good, right? Like I, and in a way, I almost rejected pleasure in my life and feeling good because I didn't feel worthy of it. So I just blocked it. I'm like, I don't need it. I, I don't deserve that unconsciously. And so I started to, again, massage and just cultivate these sacred beauty rituals. I'm privately solo, like by myself in my little one bedroom apartment with my baby. And I, I remember just like, there was times that I would just cry and just cry and let it out and release and not hold anything back. Right. And seeing my tears as sacred as well as beauty and that we're not always perfect that we're not always meant to be like put together and, you know, we don't cry or we don't show weakness because it's bad or it's fun, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, this is part of like your journey. So I, I encourage you to make your beauty rituals into a sacred practice, into a, like a prayer. You know, I would pray and I would ask for guidance and I would do it like as, as like, okay, how am I going to show up for my best self? If I was showing up for the highest version of myself at this moment, how would I show up? Right? So I would dress up like for my beauty rituals, literally, I would put on like a really beautiful gown and I would put candles and I would put roses and I would put aromatherapy and music. And, and it just became a totally different experience than me doing washa just to try to get rid of something versus like, this is a time for me to just love on myself and connect with myself. And it just became even more powerful, the results as well. Ah. Uh. It's so amazing how simply connecting with intention and allowing ourselves to slow down long enough to receive. And it's part of that feminine flow. And like, it's so interesting when you just sit back and you watch people and not just women, but men too, run around in their life you know, like crazy. And it's like, we just bounce from one thing to the next. And we don't even give ourselves a second to shift into the next thing that we're doing. We don't, we cram our schedule with as many things as we possibly can. And I'm curious to know with, in regards to your story, if that was a, you know, central nervous system response, like it sounds to me like what I'm, what I'm interpreting here, what I'm intuiting is that this was your intuition's way of leading you into that healing process after everything you had been through. It sounds like your, you know, your nervous system was in that state of grief and it was kind of like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. you 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 have it spot on. Um, yeah, facial reflexology was the other element that helped to regulate my nervous system because it was so, you know, how, how do I say? I don't want to say damaged because I don't think things get damaged, um, but, but it was definitely altered, right? My nervous system was altered from the circumstances and the environment that I was in for such a long time, you know, seven years. So thankfully, I started practicing these rituals or these ancient you know practices of facial reflexology which really is about regulating the nervous system and calming the nervous system and getting you into that parasympathetic state and when I started noticing that change within myself at the time I wasn't as aware as I am now at, at what it was actually doing um 
but as I became more educated on different topics and different studies and starting doing more research and again, going into that rabbit hole, I was like, oh, you know, this is, this is actually a very powerful practice. You know, it's working with the central nervous system. It's sending signals, like it's working not just on the physical, but on the energetic. It's working on the chi flow. It's working on the, the, the mental, it's working on the emotional, the liver, the gallbladder, this, that, the connections. And I started making like, you know, it was like a, a puzzle that was just all coming together. And then it led me to my female reproductive system where, where I was experiencing all the blockages and imbalances and where it was projecting on my face. And I started working on that. And then that led me to a whole different healing journey of doing the womb healing and connecting back with my feminine energy, my divine feminine essence, and realizing how disconnected I was from that because of the trauma, right? And the fight response, the fight or flight response for that I was in for so long that what happens is that you become dissociated with certain things. So I started remembering these parts of myself and pleasure started to arise, joy started to arise, playfulness started to come back. And it was because I was connecting those neurons with facial reflexology, those nerve endings that were disconnected in my female reproductive system. I had no idea. Like even talking about it, I feel my womb already like it's being activated because it's like I'm talking about something that it's like when I remember, it's like it was this awakening, they call it, you know, or this like spark of like remembrance. I'm like, oh, oh, this is what joy feels like. Oh, this is what like happiness. This is what like relaxation feels like. Oh, this is what peace feels like. And I was just like, I need to spread this with the world. And I didn't know that's what it was at the time. I just knew that it was powerful and that it was changing my life. And I was like, if it can do this for me, how many other women can I help? And it was during the pandemic where I really was when I finished my course with facial flexology and I started just sharing, you know, with women, what I was, what was helping me. And I got so many testimonies. So many women were just like, you don't understand how much this has helped me. I had women, you know, that I would do one-on-ones with that had an absent period for a year, six months, and they regained their menstrual cycle. I had women, you know, recollect memories of childhood trauma through facial reflexology because it, you know, they were able to sit in silence and in presence long enough to feel right and then remember, oh, that's where that's coming from. That's where that blockage is coming from. Because for example, the lungs hold the emotion of sadness and grief. So when you think about that, is you think about the lungs is not just here, it's also your environment, what you're breathing in, right? So I mean, without that, it's just, it was really fascinating making all those connections and coming back to myself, coming back to, to these parts that were just so suppressed and for God knows how long. Isn't it amazing how our inner knowing it, it, it guides us. It's like, if we just give it an opening if we give it a chance and we clear the space, it's amazing. And I, I feel like so many people are disconnected from that. So that being said, can you explain, and I'm sure there's not just one simple answer, what causes these energetic blocks to begin with? So many things, um, you know, childhood trauma, for sure. You know, that's that's a given. Um, foods, nutrition, diet, stress, 
you not listening to your intuition, suppressing that, um, not doing what you love, right? You suppressing that joy, suppressing that pleasure. Um, yeah, um, I think for the most part, that's what causes those blockages. And then, you know, with, for, for example, when you're putting something um, foreign in your body, also, it will cause a blockage. So a hit will cause a blockage, a wound, physically, emotionally, energetic, any wound, any trauma, it doesn't matter if it's energetic or emotionally or physically, it's going to create a blockage. Because let's say you just went through a heartbreak and you're grieving that loss, grieving that painful, you know, separation, that loss of that potentiality of what you thought could happen. It, it, it starts to affect your lungs, which affects your skin, which affects you know, a lot of things, right? And so it creates a blockage there. It may not be physical, but it's emotional. That's why, you know, people who go through domestic violence that, and it's emotional or, or psychological, it's it's one of the worst because nobody sees it. And nobody can tell you, hey, do you need help? Hey, are you okay? Because there's no bruises, there's nothing that you made. You're made to feel crazy. You feel crazy. Um, you feel like you're literally just, it's all in your head he's not that bad or blah, blah, blah. There's no evidence. There's no proof. You know, you can't tell anyone or even yourself, you know, where's, where's the evidence, where's the proof. So it's a really hard one to get out of. And um, so at least an emotional wound, at least an emotional blockage. And so, yeah, those were, those are the few things that can cause blockages. So I think of blockages as anything that's going to obstruct flow, mm -hmm. uh, flow of blood, flow of limb, flow of chi. So whether it be emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. Yeah. So even like bras across blockages, right? Constricting the blood flow, tight girdles. Like I used to do that all the time, you know, being Colombian. It's something that you just, as soon as you're little, like put a belt to make your waist tinier, like the tinier, the better. And that causes a lot of digestive issues. Like I went through that, you know, I have digestive issues now. And I'm working on healing that like deeply for the first time, like really deeply and, and more in a spiritual way um, and physical way. Like I'm taking care of it in all the levels because we're not just physical beings. We're also emotional beings. We're energetic beings. We're, you know, we're, we're multidimensional beings. And that's what like in the skincare, or maybe now it's different, but when I was, you know, beginning in my skincare journey as an esthetician, you know, you don't hear those things, you know? You don't, nobody asked me very few, like, yeah, I worked with a European esthetician who was like 50 and yeah, she was definitely more on that holistic approach to skincare, but it's very rare that you'll find those. Yeah. So, I agree. Yeah, and then with Botox, so the same, it's creating a blockage because you're, you're putting something foreign in your body um, and it's causing that blockage of, bl of blood, lymph, but also chi. If you notice, most of the places where we're injecting Botox, it's around the femur reproductive system in facial reflexology. So in facial reflexology, the femur reproductive organs are around the eye. So the eyes represent the ovaries, the eyebrows represent the fallopian tubes, the nose is a uterus, and then the upper lip is the vagina. So if you think about it, like this is where we're injecting a lot of our fillers, right? Like Botox is usually here and here. And then for me, it just immediately, you know, as within, so without. If you're creating a blockage 
here, you're going to create an energetic blockage, an emotional blockage as well in your womb space, in your female reproductive area. Yeah. It's amazing how everything is just so interconnected. And it was funny because I, I truthfully fought with myself for the months leading up to pretty much as soon as I got my most previous injection was, which was about like three, four months ago. And I was like, I really feel like, you know, when your intuition is just telling you like, Hey, <laughs> you need to stop drinking so much caffeine or you need to get more sleep or just those little things. I was like, I was like, okay, it's time to back off from this. And I was like, no, <laughs> because it's such an easy fix. You know, it's you're again, you're there for a short amount of time. And I'm like, okay, I need to give this a shot. And I'm just now really getting into it, but it's, I'm really blown away with how much better I already feel. And because I've noticed again, like those emotions for me are a signal, even when I'm just feeling angry, I'm like, okay, something's out of balance here, be it an external source or whatever it is, or something within me that I need to do some, you know, inner work with, with the shadow side of myself. Right. And like allowing me, it's so interesting how, as I have grown through my spiritual journey, like I'm in this, I'm in my era of like, cause I've always wanted breast implants. And I was like, you know what? I don't need titties. Titties need me. You know, <laughs> like I've just like transitioned into like, oh no, like I really like me for the whole of who I am. And this is so fun just to like allow myself to be. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It's taken me a long time to get here and fully like embody it, but it's never ending. It's never ending. I mean, and it's a daily practice. I have my days. I'm like scrolling through Instagram. I'm like, God, that girl looks so good. Like I should just get them done, you know, but then it's like, I come back to myself, you know, and I mean, that's what it's about. And it's, and I mean, this isn't to like demonize anybody that does. It's like you do you right. But, um, very, very cool. I love how you explained that in terms of the energetic body too. And because some, I mean, there are people I know that are out there that are just unaware of that part of themselves. You know, you can step into a conversation with someone and all of a sudden they start like dumping on you. Right. And they're being, they're just kind of like throwing all this garbage at you and depending on you and what your energy is like and how you take that on you might sponge that up and you might be walking around with that heavy negativity that isn't even yours. And it's amazing how it can affect you on a deeper level, even health wise. Right. Yeah. Like I'm sure you can attest to this. I mean, I, I was previously married and it wasn't a very emotionally healthy relationship. And it was like, as soon as I moved out, it was like, it was so interesting. You were talking about like the lungs and literally just like breathing it in. I was like, I feel like I can breathe again. Like my chest doesn't feel so heavy and yeah. it's, oh, it's so weird. Like instantly so many ailments just like cleared up for me. Yeah. The same, like, um, you know, we would break up, get back together, break up, get back together. And every time I would get back, I would break out. 
every time. Wow. I mean, all over. And, and it was just the environment wasn't healthy. The environment was constricting. The environment was suffocating. I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't be myself. I couldn't, it's like I completely, my my identity or Liliana, you know, what she liked to do, who, who she was and who she wanted to be in the world was so suppressed and it was so shunned. So, you know, going, and, and I, sometimes I feel like we have to go through those moments to, you know, get out of it and then show others the way. You You're know? so right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and here we are, like, look at your profession, <laughs> like, look at all these things that you were able to crack open and, oh my gosh, you guys, if you don't follow her, <laughs> y'all, <laughs> I'm going to link all of her information. I can't wait for you to learn more. Um, but how cool that our soul already knew like, Hey, this is going to be your path going in. You're going to go through some shit <laughs> and then here's how it's going to turn out. It's going to, you're going to be able to help so many people because of it. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And there was times where, you know, when my Instagram was growing rapidly, I, at one point I was like, this is too much. You know, I did not ask for this. I did not ask for this much attention and, and, I, it, it came unexpected. That wasn't the goal. You know, I would be silly with my friends and my daughter, be like, I'm going to go viral, ha ha ha, like a joke, you know, but it wasn't intentionally, it wasn't like, that was my ultimate dream. And so when it came, I was like, at one point I was like, this is too much. You know, I, I'm just going to not do this anymore. Like, I don't want this anymore. It's just too much pressure. And, you know, having so many eyes on you and so many people, you know, looking up to you in a way, putting you in this pedestal and, it was just like the pressure was on and I was like, I just can't. And then I would receive a message and I had a few of those, but I would receive a message every time of a woman giving me this like long testimonial. And, but I remember one of them was really strong. I was like in my knees, bawling, crying because she reminded me of me when I was in the state where I couldn't recognize myself in the mirror. I couldn't look at myself in the mind. I could not recognize. I was 30 pounds heavier. I was covered in acne. I was depressed. I was just a mess. And I was like, okay. And she's like, you're helping me look at myself in the mirror again. I'm able to start to even just look at myself again and start to love myself again. And I was like, okay, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than me. And you have to keep going because it's not about you. That's like what I received, like an internal message. It wasn't words. It was a feeling. And I'm just describing that feeling of like, this is bigger than you and you have to keep going. And so, yeah, so I, I kept going. I'm still going because of that. You know, it, it's it's like, it's bigger than me. It's not about me. Yeah. And, um, and, and I wouldn't be here, like if it wasn't even for my faith, because I had faith in, in higher power in God or creator, however you resonate with that source, that truth, that love, I had that faith in that, that there was something greater, bigger, supporting me and guiding me and in the works always. Yeah. Always. I would love to give you my perspective of what it's like to be somebody that follows your page and like consumes your content. I mean, you're, you're often on my feed. I feel like I'm so lucky because you pop up so often and I feel like you are such this like soft landing place for me. I feel like just light off of you. Like that's how I feel. Like even just talking to you, 
I'm, I, I was like really excited and I'm a very excitable person, but I'm already like, like it's already just leveled out. And every time I see something yours, it brings me back to that just gentle homeostasis that I want to embody all the time. <laughs> so you have been blessed with just like gracing people with that energy. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for telling and sharing that. Um, it's interesting, you know, because I'm, I'm far from perfect. You know, I have my moments where my nervous system isn't so regulated, but that's my goal because I went from an extreme state of being in such an out of balance and out of body experience to then feeling in my body, in balance, in homeostasis. So I know the difference. I, I know when I'm tipping too much on one side, because there's also the, when you're getting too much into the homeostasis where you don't want to do anything and take any action, um, right? too much in your feminine. And then, you know, when I was too much in this like fight or flight. So I know the difference. So whenever I feel that like tipping, I like, I go back to my practice. I go back to my facial reflexology. I go back to my rituals and it always grounds me. It always censors me and keeps me there. So what you're feeling and what you're sensing, and I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people are sensing is these ancient teachings that I'm just sharing. Yeah. They provide, they're able to provide. Yeah. And they're so needed. I mean, I want you to talk a little bit about your uh, red tent ceremonies. Is that how you describe them? Okay. What is that? And first of all, I'm so jealous that I did not have this growing up, but this is so cool. And I want you to talk a little bit about um, the community aspect and like why that matters. Uh, well, we can really get into this because I, so, okay, so I'll just give you kind of a brief history of the Red Tent. So the Red Tent, um, aka Moon Lodge in Indigenous culture, is an ancient, ancient women's tradition where, where women would gather around the darkest phase of the moon, the new moon, and they would lead together and retreat from their communities for, you know, a day or three days and just self-pamper, you know, self-care and guide, you know, uh, gather with other wise women and share stories and share wisdom, passing down the wisdom from generation to generation. And this is where also women were initiated into womanhood. So the minute they would get their menstrual cycle or period, they were welcomed into the red tent in a sacred way, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a way that they would celebrate this, you know, initiation. And um, they would teach them all about their moon blood, about their cycles, how it affects you energetically, emotionally, physically, how to take care of yourself during your, your cycle. You know, these are things that we weren't taught at all. And so when I got my period, I wasn't taught anything about my sexuality. I wasn't taught anything about my blood. Like here's a tampon, pad, birth control, all of the day. That's what I received. That was my little, you know, education on my feminine essence, my womanhood. And so coming from a space of having that void of not having that support system, my mother had to go back to Columbia when I was 14 and my sister was in New York and I was really like, um, I, I was very alone at one point in my journey as a woman. And in the most important stage, I feel like for a lot of young girls, like 14, it's, it's the most vital stage. Um, that's where you're most likely going to have sex around 
the first time or that's where you get your period already. That's where you start to have those emotions, those arousals, those feelings and about relationships and whatnot, right? So not having that, right? And feeling that void, I didn't understand how much I needed like a support system, how much I needed a tribe of women. And when I came across the Red Tent and, you know, I started going through the course, I realized it was like a, it was like a healing process for me because I was like, whoa, like we need this. You know, we need these spaces where women can feel held, feel, feel supported. Like before the Red Tent, one of my dreams is, in, in, in and it's coming true with the Red Tent, is just to provide a supporting space for women to come together and just share like authentically and, and vulnerably, like without a social mask, without like pretending, just like really coming together and supporting each other in any way possible that we can. And so the Red Tent was just like a deeper like education behind that. And so it, it's a it's a really beautiful space where women can come and just share anything, whether you know they're going through a heartbreak, and then other women can give her tips and tricks. And you know I've gone through this, and this is what helped me. These are the tools that helped me. And or you know I'm going through a marriage, and this is when I'm going through my marriage. And then you know hopefully there is a wiser older woman who's already been married for a while can give you her advice. So it's it's a group where you have all the ages, you know, from the moment you get your period until you know I don't know eighty, right? Um, and you just have that support of women. And I think it's so important for women to have spaces where they can just come and be authentically and truthful and raw and be vulnerable and feel safe to be vulnerable. Because, you know, you know, I grew up where it's like they celebrate independence. You know, woman is independent woman. I don't need anyone. I'm good. Put up a front, put up this mask and wear the crown 24 seven. And if you show any signs of vulnerability seen as weakness and it's quite the contrary, you know, the opposite, it's um actually your strength, you know, to be able to be that vulnerable and raw and real is actually your strength. And it's the ultimate like self-care practice that a woman can do yeah. really. Yeah. And it's, it's so needed. I mean, and it's, I mean, to, to say, Oh, you're vulnerable too it's like you're saying not getting too far in that feminine towards like you feel like not doing anything I have definitely put myself I've been on both ends of that spectrum for sure but there's something so special about being able to be in that grace and ease and flow of your feminine energy and like stand in the power of that and I feel like society for so long has deemed that as not powerful it's weak right like it's very it's too soft and so to survive, you have to be hardened and like, go, go, go all the time. And we're finding we can't have, you know, too much of that either. So it's so, it's so interesting how it becomes a superpower in a sense. And we create that balance in the world and wow, it's just, it's amazing how, imagine having a space like that during that time in exactly what you said, like, this is why you're doing this during that time in your life. And it's like, you maybe could have gone into that one relationship with a deeper sense of self and that intuition more cracked open, you know, cause when we're in that feminine, it's like, we have such a direct line to that intuition. And this isn't like a male female thing. We all have those masculine feminine energies. Right. So it's like, it's so important to not, whether you're male or female, deny that side of yourself, because it's like, 
you might be missing out on a um, direct instinct that could <laughs> save you yeah. essentially, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, women are naturally more spiritual than men. Where we are because of the the fact that we can create life, we can bear life, we can it, we we just are more naturally more sensitive, right? Because we are bearing a young, so we produce milk. We do you know we create these sensitivities to protect our cub, to protect our baby. That a mother's love and instinct you can't compare. That's why they say don't ever mess with a bear's cub, right? For a reason, you know that that fire, that protection, that love we're willing to kill, we're willing to fight for our cub. And so a woman that really goes through that initiation of motherhood is another beast. It's another force not to be reckoned with really. And so that's why I think like women are just naturally more intuitive. And we can tap into that intuition when we listen, when we're able to sit down and rest, but we're in you know, a society where it's like this go, 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 do, do, do. And rest is seen as something of luxury when it's actually the quite opposite. It's a necessity for women to rest and to nurture themselves and to like, you know, you know, like, it's okay. Like, you know, we have we we take hits in in our society nervous and our nervous system takes hits so we need times of like rest reflection um because when we gather also it's very powerful when women gather we become mirrors and then our intuition strengthens um i mean so much wisdom is really um expressed in in the red tents or in the circles when we come together because when you're able to share from that truth from that vulnerability you become a mirror for another woman that wasn't able to step into that. And you give her the courage to do so, mm-hmm. to listen to, to listen. And, and it just like, really, it's like a muscle that you start to develop. And, but we, we're not able to develop it. If we're always go, go, go and doing, doing, doing. And um, so it's honoring the, you know, the time of like descending of the time of that birth and renewal that we go through every month that women go through because men don't go through that every month. So men are able to go, 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 go. You know, they have their kind of like their menstrual cycle is once a year, you know, they're more ruled by the sun and women are ruled by the moon. So when we start to connect with our cycle and connect with our rhythms and our ebbs and flows, we start to have like even more boundaries, like setting healthy boundaries. Like I'm on my moon cycle, I'm on my period, however you want to call it. I'm not going to do anything right now. I'm not going to cook. I'm not going to be sexually active. I'm not going to do any, I'm going to go with my sisters, my women, my, my tribe and just rest and retreat and relax. Like me, my daughter have, you know, me and my daughter have this thing when I'm on my period and she knows it. She's like, you know, she's, she has her period and she's like, I'm like, can you make something really quick? She's like, mom, I'm on my period. I don't cook on my period. (laughs) I taught you too well. (laughs) You're like, okay, we have to be out of sync. So one of us. the same time no so um it's just really beautiful that she's able to even set those boundaries for herself because she's growing up in the red tent she's attending the red tent and she's learning those boundaries now at 13 you know like even with me she's setting those boundaries and I'm happy that she is yes tell me that you need to rest tell me that you need to go and take a nap and it's okay to rest yeah you know oh so good so so good probably have time for one or two more questions. And I want to mention really quickly too, when I realized the blockage that was coming from my feminine, you know, female productive system, my womb space, 
it was creating, it's also related, really closely linked to the jaw muscle, to the masseter. So if you have any blockages or any tension on your jaw, most likely you have tension in your room space, in your pelvic floor. So when I release this blockage here, also my skin started to really clear up as well. That's mm, so interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So quick question about um, traditional Chinese medicine and facial reflexology. If we were to, because I know you talk a bit about cupping, you talk about facial reflexology. If we were to do, let's say like a week's long protocol, because you talked about gua sha, it would be good to start with you know, two weeks consistently, depending on the individual, and then maybe backing off to two to three times a week. So let's say we're now out of that first two week zone. What would it look like on a weekly basis if we were doing facial cupping, gua sha and um, facial reflexology? Yeah. So it really depends on the person's needs, the person's goals, the person's um, current skin condition at the moment as well. So, you know, facial cupping is great for someone who has acne scars, someone who is really trying to improve that collagen or increase that collagen production, because what it does, it's causing that micro injury to the skin to produce more collagen, right? So it's really great for that. For people who have really sensitive skin, like um, let's say like very acne prone skin, unless you peeled from the acne, you only have scars and it's okay to do facial cupping. But if you have inflammation, if you have a lot of redness or broken capillaries or very thin skin, then facial cupping is not, you're not a candidate for it. It's not really the best option for you yet. Um, so those who are, let's say even beginners, like I don't recommend to go straight into cupping if you're really, really new to facial tools. I would recommend to start with facial gua sha, understand like the tolerance levels that you have, the pressure, get used to the stimulation, right? Massaging your face, and then you can work into facial cupping. And the way I like to do it, I like to combine it. So depending on what I have. So let's say I have like acne scars on my cheek, which I do. So I'll do facial cupping there, right? To really stimulate more blood flow and more oxygen and to, you know, stimulate that heal and repair. And then I'll go with facial gua sha for lymphatic drainage everywhere else. So I'll spot treat with facial cupping. If I have a like a, a pimple like that's about to come up, I'll do facial cupping on it, like a little bit, like three seconds on, three, you know, a few times. And that will actually help with the healing process because you're bringing in that rich blood, uh, blood flow to the area, which will promote healing. So yeah. it won't either it won't even come out or just the it'll heal much quicker. Um, so with facial reflexology, uh, you, that's, that's a whole different thing. You're not working with the tissues. You're not working with the muscles. You're working with the nervous system, the energetics. So that's something you can implement on a daily, um, but also as needed. Uh, it all depends on what your goals are, what you're, you know, what you're dealing with. Like you can work with facial reflexology if you're, you know, experiencing headaches or let's say you're experiencing hormonal imbalances. That's something that you'll need to do more consecutively, multiple times throughout the day, you know, in a 21 day protocol, which I cover like in my one-on-ones and in my workshops that I have available on my website. And I also have my membership where, um, I have all of my workshops. You have a library of them you can access and you can cancel anytime, which is a great way to, for those who are really wanting to implement these practices and learn them the correct way. That's why I offer the membership because 
you can join a workshop, but if you're not doing this on a consecutive basis, it's not going to be as beneficial, right? So it, it's like a gym membership. You're going to go in and you're going to do those daily practices or weekly practices. And I have every month I have a new workshop, you know, and have guest speakers come on and share their medicine, their tools that can help you in your journey. You know, if you're on that self-love journey, self-healing journey, self-discovery journey, um, I share a lot of the tips and tricks that have helped me, you know, which includes like breath work, you know, breast massage ritual, um, drum activation, you know, practice, um, womb meditation, you know, like there's just a lot in there. So it's really for those who are really wanting to dive deep and immerse in their self-care rituals. Beautiful. Yeah. I've, I've like poked through some of the things that you have in there. Um, and then too, I know you did a YouTube video on, it was just like a whole protocol on Gua Sha. I don't know if you still have it up, but I went through the whole thing and it was such a good refresher because there, it, there is a certain way to go about it. You can't just go in and start scraping, you know, it's very intentional down to the amount of pressure that you're using. And it's important to have education on all of it. So then you can really like get into all of it. So yeah. So the YouTube that you, um, that you saw, it was part of a seven day facial guasha challenge that I did for free. And I saved a few of the videos. Like, I think I saved like two or three of their days because it was pretty much the same thing every day. So I didn't save all of the seven days, but I just saved the, my favorite ones. And I show like a full, like simple lymphatic drainage protocol with facial guasha. Yeah. Yeah. It was very interesting. A couple of things I would notice when I would work on clients would be two things, especially when I'd start to work into the meridians, especially around the eyes, like I would have somebody come in and you could just tell they were frazzled. And I'm sure you've seen this too. And you just, you go in and you start to press on those little divots in, in that occipital bone. And you would just see their body just, huh, just release and let go. And then just massaging on the temples. It was just like this full on their energy just opened up and relaxed. It wasn't so just like tight. And then with the lymphatic drainage, watching people swallow and, you know, just seeing, hearing that, um, I guess the, the phlegm and things like that just cycle through. Yeah. It's so interesting how it's like just draining, you know? Yeah. It's it's, the way I see it. It's like facial massage and gua sha and reflexology and lymphatics it's like you're activating all of the cells on your skin. You know, I, I see the phase as like this mini universe and you're just like activating, you're turning on these, you know, these little universes that have just been like dormant and sleeping and you're at, reawakening, you're awakening that blood, you're awakening that limp, you know, you're re- removing that blockage of the tension with the face and the muscles. And it's like, you're just unveiling the true beauty that's hidden behind all that tension, all that blockage. Yeah. Yeah. It's open the gates. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you guys like go look at the befores and afters on her page. Um, I'm probably going to post some of my own soon too, because I've been taking pictures and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like I, cause I have close friends. They're getting, I mean, Liliana, thousands of dollars worth of injectables and people that are 25, you know, and I'm like, oh gosh, you know, and seeing how it's changing the structure of their face. And I'm like, I spent 15 minutes. And I look so different already. I mean, it's, it's really wild because again, you're working on the emotional, the physical, the energetics, you're not just working on the muscle. 
And that's another thing is like when you go to these places, you know, and I talked about it in other podcasts, it's like when you go to the uh, Botox injector, they're they're not trained or they're not knowledgeable on the health of like the blood and the lymph and the fascia and the like in that way. They're not there to really, you know, guide you on how to nourish those muscles and tissues. They're there. They're trained on how to paralyze them and numb them. Right. So when you come to someone like myself or like you, a holistic esthetician, the goal is to get your skin in the most healthiest state. And what does it need to thrive and work at its optimal level? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah which it does the work for you. It just, it's like you kind of just push the button and then it just opens everything up. Yeah. Like I don't have, you know, I'm 37 and I, I know women that are much younger than me and you know, I, I, with my daughter, people mistaken me for like her sister. Um, she's 13, but it's just like, because of that. I, and I think it's the inner balance that's being reflected, right? Because if I have an emotional imbalance, it's going to show up in my face, no matter how much Botox you do, no matter how much fillers you put on that emotional state that you have, that imbalance, that inter- it's going to reflect on your face as within. So without our faces are mapped. And it indicates us and let us know where there's a blockage. Always, every single mark that you have on your face, every single anything that you have on your face is is indicating you where in your body it's out of balance. Wow. Everything, every little mark. So it's interesting because now I do facials or, you know, I'll do a massage or I'll, or I'll be talking to someone and I'm like, you have a blockage in your neck. <laughs> <laughs> anything you see on me that you want to share, I definitely... <laughs> It's hard to tell on the camera. I would have to yeah. see you. Yeah, it's really hard. But, um, and you, I mean, you've been doing the gua sha, so I can see that the healthy, you know, blood is there. I see the healthy blood and like the flow and the plumpness and the, yeah. So you have healthy tissue. I can tell. Cool. I can tell if this has a healthy tissue or it doesn't. And I'm like, just do 15 minutes of gua sha and then talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. Even discoloration can help with because you're removing that stagnant, you know, muddy water, the stagnant fluid, lymphatic, it's going to really clear all that up. That's one thing I have been mind blown about because I've always complained about the dark circles under my eyes and I have redness like around my nose and a little bit here um, on my chin in the outer corners. And since I've been consistent, I, I haven't had to put nearly as much concealer on. And I'm like, this is, that was something I did not expect at all. Oh Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. And like you said, you're working with certain meridians. You may be working with the liver meridian, you know, unconsciously. You're not, you know, you don't know exactly where those meridians are, but facial guasha, you know, the direction of flow that I was taught by my teacher. She's a Chinese doctor and she's one of the pioneers in facial guasha, Dr. Ping Zhang. Um, so that technique is specifically to help open up the meridians as well. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you would like to leave the audience with any, if you could tell them one thing to take away, what is it that you'd like to leave them with? Um, If I could leave you with one thing is to really take your self-care practices, your beauty rituals, your self-care rituals in, in a very like intentional way, like do everything with intention, do everything with like mindfulness um, because that's, what's going to make a big difference out of all these tools and all these practices that you do, your intention is everything, everything. So really setting the intention before your practice and, 
you know, even setting a little prayer meditation prior, like, you know, what are your intentions for today? You know, and setting that and like, that's going to really help to ground and center you and yeah, start cultivating more of that self-acceptance and self-love. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being on. This was a pleasure. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been lovely and an honor, truly. Thank you for having me. Thank you to the listeners who are listening. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. We'll, we'll link everything. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Never Set Alive podcast. I would love to have your rating and review. So let me know how you liked it. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend and someone that would enjoy it as well. Let me know what you would want to hear more of. Send me a comment in my latest Instagram post at Never Settle Life on Instagram. Until next time, I'm Coach Kim. I'll talk to you soon. Have you ever felt like there's something inside of you and, and it just knows, it knows where you're going? so busy doubting yourself and you're so busy being afraid